podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Saturday evening, uh, we were the early kickoff today. We got a solid two 0 win against Everton, so we'll be focusing on that game. We'll also be touching on one nil win against Brentford midweek, and yeah, it's actually been three matches since we last recorded. Two uh, nil lost at Newcastle, so you know if we'd recorded a week ago, it would have all been very depressing. <laughs> Everybody was saying top four was in danger. We weren't playing well. Things were going downhill, but thankfully. We have had two pretty good wins, actually. I mean, as I said, I mean, I think we can talk about Everton and Brentford kind of together. Um, you know, it was absolutely vital to bounce back after that Newcastle game. As I said, we were, everybody was a little bit worried. You know, a few weeks ago, I think we did the podcast and people were saying, oh, look, we're, we're secure top four. Uh, we can focus on these cups. And, you know, I'd been going all along saying I'm really worried about our amount of matches I don't think we're absolutely solid in top four. Now that we've got that Carling Cup, uh, League Cup in the bag, I want to make sure that's done before we start getting too excited about these other cups. And then, yeah, as I say, all of a sudden we dropped a few points. Uh, Casemiro missing. He obviously had that red card and nil-nil with Southampton. So, yeah, we were dropping points everywhere. Um, but, yeah, now things are looking back on track. As I said, 2-0 against Everton today. I think we've played pretty well in both of our last two games, I think. Would you agree? Yeah. Uh, I would say we've played well. It's just really frustrating that we haven't scored more, to be honest. That, that's it. Like, I, it just it feels like we're so... Our margin for error is so thin because, I mean, today, we I think our XG at halftime was like 2.2. We had one goal. And, I mean, honestly... When you're at a top club, you expect your players at the top end of the pitch to be more decisive. The quality of chances that we created, you would have expected to be three or four clear at halftime. Because uh, I, I have no idea. Like, Deitch usually comes to, you know, Old Trafford and it's just a low block and it takes, you know, an hour to take it apart. They were playing a super high line the entire first half. Uh, and we got in behind what Rashford got in behind twice. I think Anthony got in behind twice. Um, there are other, like, it just. There were so many chances, and to only be 1-0 up, and it was a great goal. I mean, it was a really good goal, but it felt a little disappointing. But I agree, like, you, we controlled both matches. Um, defensively, we were solid in both matches. I, Everton had, what, did they have one shot on target, I think? Um, yeah, they actually had a pretty good chance, like, in that yeah. first half that they yeah. fluffed completely, but that's the only one I really remember. Yeah, that that was a decent chance, and, you know, that they didn't score on that, thankfully. Um, and they had one shot on target at the end from Coleman, which was like a you know it was like a twenty five yard shot, which whatever. Um, but we controlled this match. I thought we generally controlled the Brentford match, even though we only, you know, it was a, it was just a one nil. But Brentford really did not put us under much pressure, uh, which was surprising because they're really good with set pieces, right? That's like kind of been their thing this year, where they're really good at attacking on set pieces, and they didn't get much joy out of that. So. Um, yeah, I would say good, good performances, necessary performances, necessary reaction after Newcastle, which was like just a totally insipid display across the board. Um, so to bounce back from that was good, but you still feel, I, I'm still a little bit worried. Uh, Rashford picked up a knock today, so we'll see how severe that is. And honestly, I think that on our broadcast over here, I think they set a stat, but it was like, I think Rashford has accounted for 34% of our Premier League goals this year. Um, I'm surprised without... it isn't higher, actually. I mean, yeah, he's yeah. obviously been in such ridiculous form. Yeah, and it's just, it's just worrying because without him, um, I mean, thankfully, Martial's back. We'll see for how long that lasts. Uh, but, but like, it, I agree with you. I, I'm, I am, I'm still concerned about top four because it's not just, you know, Garnacho got hurt, too. He was giving us good minutes. He was giving us a nice like boost off the bench too. Right? He was productive off the bench. He's out right now for a little while. Um, Anthony hasn't been in the goals for a minute. Sancho created a nice goal today. Has not been all that productive. Like he's not been decisive at the top end of the pitch. 
who's our second leading scorer? I think it's like Fred tied with Bruno or something. You know, like it's just we're not getting enough goal contributions aside from Rashford. So I'm with you. Like, and I, I, I don't want this to be like this dire podcast, but I, I, I'm very happy with how we've reacted. But it's still concerning to me, um, just how much we're struggling to put chances away and put goals away. Um, but I will say, obviously, getting Casemiro back will be a nice boost. And to come through this patch without him, I don't want to say unscathed, but it could have been much worse. Um, I think we've done okay for ourselves, so that that's a good reflection on the squad um, and on Ten Hag. And I honestly, Ten Hag deserves some credit too, because I thought the Newcastle setup was just bad. And he's yeah, yeah. Made... We'll, we'll get on to the Newcastle yeah. later. Let's focus on these yeah. two right now. But um, yeah. well, I was just yeah. gonna say, I think the adjustment, you know, putting Rashford up top. That was a really good adjustment from him, and I think we've seen that really in the last two games benefit us a lot. Yeah, I mean, I think anybody who's listened to this podcast, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of Woot Weghorst. I have been <laughs> the one who said I don't want to see him here next season, even though, yeah, he's done some hard work, filled in kind of where he needs to, but yeah, lacks quality massively, especially striking-wise. I mean, I actually said today that I don't see anything Weghorst can actually do that McTominay can't. Uh, you know, he's also a big man who can go and run around and press if needed. And I think his actual finishing is much better than Wild Weghorst. I mean, he scored four goals for Scotland. Uh, I mean, I know that you're not a big fan of McTominay and you've been the first one in our discords or whatever to lay a couple of two-footed tackles in on McTominay when he's had a bad performance. But yeah, he's been pretty damn good in these last two games, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, his goal today was... That was a really good finish. He finished near post. Pickford didn't even have a chance to react. Um, yeah, he, he looked really good today across the board. He had a little sloppy towards the end, but, you know, that's fine. Um, he's, like, this is... He's never going to be Casemiro, and expecting him to be is just stupid. Um, but he needs to be at this level, because what we saw in previous matches hasn't been good enough. But the last two matches looked good. He He responded well. Um, I thought defensively he was a lot better the last couple of matches. He's given us a physical presence uh, in the middle of the park, which I think is good. And he's just he's just looked a little more comfortable going forward as well. Not so much the passing, because we know he's just never going to be a really dynamic passer. But his ability to carry the ball forward is a is a good thing. And um, yeah, I mean, uh, there's not much to say other than like I'm very critical of him. I still personally would love to move on from him this summer, but. In the meantime, while he's here, these are the performances you need from him, and he delivered. So that's all you can ask for. You can't ask for more than that, and he was good. And yeah, he has started making you know some kind of kind of link up and partnership with a uh, Sabitzer, the muck Sab midfield we've got there. <laughs> uh, I mean, to be fair, after the poor performances against Newcastle and Fulham as well, we were not that great. You know, mm. we got a kind of out of jail. With that midfield, I was saying, listen, we need to go back to McFred, tried and tested. We know their limitations, but we also know that they can deliver that kind of defensive work when needed. But yeah, Enric Ten Hag stuck with what he thought was the best option, and they have definitely improved massively in these last two games. Um, Everton today in particular, I mean, yeah, you were talking about chances missed. If we look at the XG, then yeah, today was the day. We had like 20 chances in that first half. They said it was the most of any Premier League team this season in one half. And the final XG is at 4.4. Uh, so to only come out with two goals is a bit disappointing. I mean, the Brentford game actually is at 1.1 XG. We scored a goal, so actually comes out around where we should be. Um, and if, yeah, if we're talking about all of the Newcastle, we deserve nothing. We scored nothing. We were at 0.3 XG. Uh, Newcastle at 3.3 that day getting two goals but yeah today was the main one like you said in that first half we had chance after chance kept getting them behind them and I said in our kind of you know match day discord that listen Sean Dyke will not be letting us get in this many times in the second half and he did make a defensive change with uh, Mikalichenko coming on and he was kind of a bit faster and was not letting us get in behind as much but thankfully you know that breakthrough did come it was McTominay at 36 minutes. You know, you thought, oh God, if this gets to half time and we're nil-nil, after missing all these chances, you know, Everton could turn around and get one from somewhere. But yeah, thankfully it didn't go that way. Uh, and yeah, a great little assist from Jaden Sancho. I mean, he's had a couple of starts in this kind of run of games now. Um, 
where are you at on Jaden Sancho? I mean, look, it's obviously great that he's turned around his kind of mental issues and is at least in the squad and playing. But, you know, you shouldn't forget this was an £80 million player, player of the year out in Bundesliga. He's obviously not hitting anywhere near those heights yet. But how do you feel about him coming in for these couple of games and how he's done? Um, I mean, I, I would like more. I, I would love for him to take on his man. But, like, he to me, it's very obvious that if you put him around the box and you have players making runs around the box, he can be a productive player. But he's not... Like, you can't put him on the left and just expect him to be Rashford. Like, he, it, he's not going to be that player. He's not electric like that with the ball at his feet. He's not just going to, you know, try to take multiple defenders on. He doesn't have that, really, ability. Um, I think he's a little bit more of a clever player, a trickier player in terms of what he's capable of his, with his passing. Um, I actually thought he played well. I, I, I was encouraged by his performance today uh, because it wasn't just the pass to San, or to, to McTominay for the goal, which, by the way, I mean, that pass was uh, that was an unbelievable ball. I, I, I couldn't believe the ball he picked there. That was really good. Um, but he played a pass in right at the end of the first half to, I believe, Lissandro uh, off a corner. And Lissandro could have scored. I mean, he, he ended up skying it, but it was a really nice little ball. Uh, and he played he played in a few balls into the, in the box that, that were kind of they're nice to see. And um, I think you, you can see at times what the hype was about. But, you know, you have to be honest, it, it hasn't been enough. You expect more. Um, and you need more. Like... Like, there was a chance today where he's in the box. He's taking on Coleman. Coleman's giving him the line, right? He's giving him the line. And he doesn't want to take it because he wants to check back on his right foot and play it off to somebody. And it's like, I would just, I would love to see him take the line and just try and leather the ball with his left foot. It doesn't, like, who cares if you miss the goal? Like, just do something different. Try the outside option sometimes. I think sometimes he he, he just so dead set on coming back in and trying to link up and and it's like it almost feels like he's he's like shrinking sometimes a little bit from the responsibility and it's like you know I don't think Anthony's a perfect player and God knows his decision making is hit or miss but I think he shows a lot more willingness to back himself in certain situations um, than Sancho is maybe to his own detriment to the team's detriment at times but like I think you need to have that type of confidence when you play in those positions and we've seen this with Garnacho, right? I mean, Garnacho, for better or worse, he's always willing to take his man on. Always. And I think you need that, especially at United, um, this club. Like, I, I really think that you need wingers that are willing to take their man on and, and take those chances. And, um, you know, maybe Sancho is he's a different profile. And I do always feel like if we were a team that exhibited more control, we probably might see more out of Sancho. Uh, you know, if we could kind of keep teams boxed into their area more and, and we're patient and our build up to a different degree. But, like, that's not what we are right now. So it, it always just kind of feels like at this moment in time, it's a little bit of a bad fit different for for the player and the, and the squad. But, um, <laughs> you know, today was fine. Today was good. You can – the perform, performances like today from him, you'll take. But you need more. I mean, I, I don't think that's too much to say. And, um, you know, uh, where am I at with him? I mean, we have to be, again, we have to be realistic. Like, he's not going anywhere. So we have to try to make this work as best as we can in the meantime. And to Ten Hag's credit, I do feel like there are signs that it's not great, but it's better than what it was. Um, so hopefully he can kind of find his footing and hit a, hit a higher level soon. Yeah, I'd kind of agree with that. As I said, you know, we have to be happy that he's at least back in the squad playing some kind of part there. You do feel like there should be something a bit more. And I do totally agree with you that he often seems a bit too safe, seems to want to come back too many times, recycle the ball, go back again. I mean, you know, I'm always looking at the passing accuracy stats and he's actually at 95% and getting the most touches of any of our kind of attacking three, four players. And you don't really want your attacking players to be that safe. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you expect them to be around 80s, even 70s, if they're trying something, you know, a bit more difficult. Uh, but he's keeping very safe, keeping all the time, keeping hold of the ball. I mean, maybe Ten Hag thought we needed a bit of that because there was a bit, especially in that yeah. Newcastle game where we were giving the ball away way too much, not keeping hold of it at all. 
And yeah, look, if he gets an assist out of it, then it is worth it. I mean, you know he's got that in his locker to pull out those perfect kind of defence splitting passes to make the difference. And, you know, that's what he was known at before he came to us, the guy who was hitting the most assists in the league and getting enough goals as well. Um, but yeah, sometimes, like I say, it feels like a bit of a luxury player because is it enough just to be making those three or four great passes? What else is he giving you the rest of the time? Whereas on the other extreme, you have Anthony who maybe is not making, like you say, the right decisions, often giving it away, taking shots when it should be a pass. But he does do a hell of a lot of defensive hard work. You don't see as much of that from Sancho all the time. So, yeah, look, they are two very different players, almost like direct opposites in a way, the way they play. But, yeah, look, today, like you say, you can't complain about him with them getting the assist on the board and making the difference when he really needed it. Uh, you know, Anthony got in a couple of times in that first half, should have probably done better with his finishes. Have to give some credit to Jordan Pickford, who did make quite a few decent saves to keep us out early. It was kind of a mix of slightly poor finishing versus some good kind of defensive blocks and saves. Uh, you know, and we've seen these kind of performances by Sean Dyche teams in the past against us, Burnley's and whatever. So yeah, to get that breakthrough for before half time definitely felt like we deserved it and we kind of needed it as well because uh, you thought if they turned around at any point they could pull one out and we had had I think earlier in the season where Iwobi or somebody like that smashed in a random worldie against us and you never know if things like that go the wrong way uh, but yeah look thankfully we do go in 1-0 at half time and you felt like we would build on that going forward from there <clears throat> but we will have, we'll have to see. With now, yeah, we don't know enough about Rashford's injury. That was the main downer from this Everton game. As you say, if he is injured, then the likes of Sancho are going to have to step up. You know, Martial has now made three cameos in a row. Uh, it's been great to see him back in. I thought he might have actually started today because, you know, he'd had two kind of sub-appearances and I thought, all right, maybe he's ready to start. Ten Hag's obviously wary about the fact that he's come in not managed to last more than a couple of games at any points. So we're slowly bringing him forward. But if Marcus Rashford is injured, then there's going to be absolutely no choice but for Martial to be starting our next game. Yeah, I I, I kind of understood why he's being... He's talked about this, right? I mean, he, he, when he mentioned this earlier in the season when Martial got hurt again, where he's like, maybe we pushed him too fast. And so maybe an abundance of caution is the the pivot. And that can be frustrating, but it might be the right call. And look, he's going to be thrust into a, a bigger role now, almost definitely. I, I don't think Rashford will recover and play in midweek, but you know we've seen Rashford make these recoveries all the time, and then we're like, well, how did he do that? Um, but yeah, I mean, look, let's be, we just, me and you have talked about this, we just talked about this for a bunch of time, is we need goals. And Martial, this year especially, he's been productive when he's played, very productive when he's played. He just hasn't played that much. So I thought his finish today was actually quite good. Um, I thought he looked sharp. I thought he actually looked sharp even last week when or midweek when he came on against Brentford. His touches look good. You can kind of see what that hold-up ability he gives you that Rashford doesn't give you at striker. Um, you know, being able to fend off the center back and, and hold the ball up and bring others into play. I think that's a really necessary skill set. He's obviously a very different option than uh, your best... Your your favorite Vagors. Um, I had said like a couple of times, and I think that even a fifty percent Martial is better than Mark Vagors. <laughs> he might be. I mean, yeah, and he's just. I mean, he's always been such a skillful, silky player when he's on. So it's just like it's always that's what makes him such a frustrating watch, right? Because when he's on, you're like, you look like the best player in the league, and then when you're not, you look disinterested and he's sloppy and he's missing chances but he looked good today and and I think you could tell that that connection I, I thought that front three actually towards the end I know they didn't create a lot of chances I thought they just looked good together though Sancho him and uh, Rashford they didn't play for too long because then he took Sancho off to bring Fred on but I thought they looked good together and obviously you can tell I, I don't know if you agree but you can just kind of tell that Rashford and Martial enjoy playing together. Yeah, and definitely. I, I, and I do think that matters. Like, I think that's a that's a really important thing. Like, well, actually, when... yeah, I don't know if you saw uh, Ten Hag actually mentioned it in his post match. I did. He was it. asked. Yeah, yeah, he was asked, saying, "Oh, did you think about taking Rashford off before he got injured?" 
and he said, look, I did think about it because he's obviously played a lot of minutes. We were 2-0 up. But he actually said, but I wanted Martial and Rashford to get back to linking together and give them a bit of time to remember, you know, how well they do play together. And that's, he yeah. said that's specifically why he kind of left Rashford in. And oh, unfortunately, Sarge Laurie ends up getting injured and like limping out with what looks like a groan strain. We have to see how bad it is. But yeah, you know there is a link up there. And yeah, yeah. if you remember back to pre-season, it was actually that Sancho... Rashford, Martial, who were hitting off really well in pre-season and we've not really managed to see the three of them together at any point this season, partly because Sancho's, you know, had his mental issues, Martial's been injured all the time and we've barely seen those three together. And, and I think, like, you know, just to go back to it real quick, but, like, look, it was obviously a very nice slice of good fortune uh, for us in the second goal with Coleman slipping. Um it couldn't happen to a nicer guy though than Seamus Coleman. So I was that was very nice to see. But like when he, you know, he's so Rashford sets, you know, he just plays in Martial, he slots it away. But like you, they just instantly go together to celebrate. And like I don't know, you can always just it always feels like when they play together and they assist each other, they really seem to like take joy out of each other's performances. Um, and I don't like it's funny, right? Because Martial for us as fans has always been like this enigma that we're frustrated by a lot. And Rashford's had his frustrating moments too. But it never feels like Rashford, like today, you could see him getting frustrated with Anthony at various points, right? It's just like, what are you doing? Like, play me in. I'm making this run right now. He never does that with Martial. They're like just really like on a good wavelength together. So it's, it is good to see them play together. And, you know, I didn't have a problem with him not bringing out Rashford. Like it was, you know, he got hurt, what, like two minutes? It was like five or six minutes maybe after we scored. It was that could have happened at any time, and it was a very innocuous thing. I, I'm not gonna anybody that wants to kill him for that. I think that's a reach. But um, yeah, look, they they look good together. But more importantly, Martial himself looked good. I think he's he looked good against Brentford too. And we're gonna need him to step up, obviously, the rest of the way. Um, you know, 15 more points maybe probably does does it for top four. So we have what yeah, nine matches left. So yeah, hopefully he can help us get that. We will take a quick break there, come back to finish off talking about Newcastle and also Brentford games to touch on. Yeah, still a bit more on Everton as well to go top four. And then, yeah, we will look ahead to our next matches coming. Back for part two of the show. So, yeah, look, we're talking about the two goals. Uh, McTominay on the score sheet, Martial on the score sheet. It is good to get somebody other than Rashford on the score sheet, uh, even though, look, at Brentford, it was Rashford who turned around and got that goal. As we said, we've played Wout Weghorst a lot recently. I have kind of surprised at how many minutes he's played. You know, I think he's done some kind of good work for us and there has been some matches. But yeah, I'm still surprised how many games he was starting. I did actually think we'd have more games where Rashford would play up front and, you know, some of the wide players would get a chance. But yeah, these last couple of games, that was the major change that happened from that Newcastle loss. Veghorst going out and Rashford going up front. Um, he's still hitting it hard. He's had a great uh, month, won so many like goal of this uh, month awards for us and player of the month. But yeah, the one now actually I think has stepped up. And today I think a lot of people were talking about McTominay being man of the match, but on the telly it was uh, Bruno Fernandes. Yeah. And I thought he was absolutely outstanding in this Everton game. So many of those balls he was pinging in early on. Uh, he seems as well to be playing a bit deeper, having to do a bit more defensive work. Um, but yeah, doing exactly what he needs to do. Yeah. Um, I thought... I thought he was just good. Like, it is... It's kind of like what you want to see from him. Um, he was... Just he was playing in that deeper role. Everton weren't pressing much. I it suited him to be honest. I I don't, I don't, I I still don't fully like trust him playing deeper against a more disciplined team, a team that's more aggressive, that's stronger in the press, that plays with a little bit more ambition, that has quite frankly more talent than Everton. Um, but for a match like this, this was, it was a great little tweak. Uh, I, he played deeper against Brentford too. Uh, I think Sabitzer ended up being higher in that match as well. So like, it's definitely something that Ten Hag has gone to, which is again, this is what you want to see from a manager. That Newcastle performance was unacceptable, 
part of it was we couldn't move the ball from front to back, or back to front, rather. So moving Bruno deeper is a nice little tweak to it. I think the opposition has helped us a bit, too. Um, but, yeah, I mean, some of the balls he played in today were just unbelievable. Some like He played a one cross-field pass to Anthony that was just amazing. And then he played... He played in Rashford a few times. It was he, he really was on it. He was on it today. He he had that kind of he was feeling it today. And um I it's sad it's unfortunate he didn't get an assist because he's deserved one today for some of some of the passes he was playing. But um yeah, can't say enough. And you know, like is he the perfect player? No, he's very frustrating at times with just how aggressive he is. But like I just have a lot of time for him when the guy doesn't miss matches. He plays 90 minutes all the time. He is running around. His work rate is unbelievable for a player asked to do what he's asked to do in our attack. And if we're being honest again, like say whatever you want about him. And maybe there, it says something about the weakness of our squad and our midfield specifically. But like when he doesn't play, we don't look like we're going to create anything ever. We just look insipid and, and slow. Well, to be, to be fair, he always plays. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, right. when doesn't he play? Uh, but like, yeah, when, but... like when you see it, like when he moves to the right, right? Or yeah, if he gets yeah. up, you see it then. Like there's just nothing there. And um, I just, I have a lot of time for him because I think, I don't think, I think he's being asked to do a lot this year. And I don't think all, not all of it is like the fun <clears throat> glory of like creating and, scoring goals and creating chances right like he's being asked to do a lot of different tasks defensively as well in the press um and you know there are times we've asked him to play on the right and that's a totally yeah, different i have i have not liked that yeah. at all you know he played I wide fair bit like kind of earlier in the season and kept thinking he was too much on the periphery of games not getting involved enough i've been much happier with him shifted back inside and I think yeah that he is disciplined enough to do that kind of more defensive work uh, as I say if you look at our kind of average position chart from today like Tomine is slightly deeper but Sabitzer and Bruno are kind of in line with each other just mm-hmm. in front of him and both given license to go forward and yet it's still actually is a bit Tomine who's the one who ends up in the box and scores our goal so they're all kind of interchanging they're all taking it in turns to get in the box they're all sitting back when they need be and yeah, today, Bruno was absolutely immense. I mean, he had the most touches of anyone on the team today, 119 touches. He had a very good passing accuracy, 87%, which is kind of relatively high for him. As you say, so many key passes, so many times. It could have been a goal if they'd just been a bit better finishing from him. Also managed kind of four shots, a couple of, couple of those on target. And yeah, he was unlucky, like you say, not to get in a goal or assist here, but... For me, yeah, he was the man of the match today. It was it was also just a performance from him where like the like you mentioned the Newcastle game where we just kept giving the ball away. And it's like there are he, times... he was actually really bad that day. Yeah. I was yeah. absolutely scathing of him on after that match. Yeah, and I think there are games like that he has which are it's hard to like remove that from your brain because that match was so bad. And he has these games where he's just it's like I understand you want to create, but we're under so much pressure. We need to just keep the ball for a little bit. Just keep the ball. And I thought today there were instances where he did just keep the ball. He wasn't trying to, oh, I have the ball. Let me just try to hit, you know, a 60-yard pass to Rashford. Let me try and play. It was like, okay, no, I'll, I'll pass it back to Lissandra. I'll get the ball off of him. Then I'll play it over to Juan Bissaka. I'll get the ball off of him. And it was, it's like that, you want, like that. there's a balance that you have to find there. Uh, and it's hard, obviously. It, it's not, it's, it's very difficult. So, um, there'll be moments when he has new games like Newcastle and we're all like, what was that? But today, yeah, you're right. He was, he was incredible today. I thought he was very much deserving man of the match. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and, you know, the other good thing today was there was a bit of rotation. Mm. We saw, you know, Malassia's played because Shaw is injured. Harry Maguire comes in and he actually had a really good game as well. I thought uh, he was great. Yeah, and actually Eric Ten Hag kind of singled him out and said, oh, we saw... Harry Maguire doing things that he hasn't done for us yet this season. Uh, you he know. played some crossfield passes that were perfect today. Really, really exactly. good. Passes. So yeah, it's great that these players can come in, do a little bit of a job there. Uh, but the one that was most happy, most excited to see back in the fray was mm. Christian Eriksen, who gets a kind of you know nice fifteen twenty minute at the end of the game. Uh, immediately, kind of showed what we've been missing from him, and. 
the fact that we've managed to keep this run of games going and managed to stay in the top four, go in all the cups without Ericsson and without Casemiro as well is amazing. Because, you know, earlier in the season, that their partnership was the thing that kind of was completely changing our season from how it had gone last year. Uh, and that we've gone to run a game without either of them and still managed to pull out some results is brilliant. So if he can come back in uh, for this kind of end of season running, it's going to be brilliant. You know, even though it looks like now that we've probably definitely lost Luke Shaw for a bit, Garnacho, we're not sure where we're going to see him. Rashford, we have to wait and see what the news is on him. But to start getting back Ericsson, Martial, I mean, I'm not getting too excited about Martial because let's see how long he can actually last, um, you know, so far, yeah, half an hour here and there. But yeah, to have him, he, that's the thing about Martial though, even though, you know, maybe even like in half an hour, he probably will manage to get a goal or assist <laughs> if he could no, roll him out for that long. He's been really good this year when he's played, which is, that's like, even that's what's made his injuries even more frustrating. Because um, like, again, like these last two matches, his little cameos, he's looked, you can see exactly what we're missing, right? I mean, that's, you see it. Like, it's very, very transparent, especially after, how many straight matches did Veghorst start? It was like 16 matches or something. It was something crazy. Uh, far too, far too many, however <laughs> many it was. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's it's nice to have him. Uh, not, I'm, I'm, this, this is not a complaint. I want to be very clear about this. But I think, um, I think, like, Palestri, I, I wouldn't, I feel like he could maybe get a few more minutes, but I understand why that hasn't happened yet. But, when he's played, I think he's actually looked pretty promising. Uh, I like how direct he is, especially late in the game. You can kind of see his pace really, really can tell on defenders later in matches. So um, he's a nice little option they have off the bench also, and he's looked a little pretty productive. So uh, he's somebody I'm interested to see if he gets a little more time towards the end of the season. And, you know, like you said, the, the fixture is, it does not get any easier. I mean, it's if we stay in Europa, it's basically midweek match the rest of the year. So you, it's it's brutal. You're going to need to use everybody in the squad, and you're right, it is like, it's annoying why Malasia started today, right, because Shaw picked up a knock. I have a feeling Shaw's knock isn't that bad, because it doesn't seem like that, but it's nice that you have a left back that Ten Hag trusts to a degree. Um, and I gotta say, Malasia, I love him. He was a little too geared up to start this game. He gave away a really stupid free kick uh, right next to our box, and I think, uh, I think at least on our broadcast, they said Ten Hag was like gesturing him to him, just like, calm down, like, like relax but he, he he's he's an aggressive defender which is necessary for his size to, to really uh perform but I, I thought he played well too and he he's sh- starting to show a little more confidence on the ball especially in the build-up he, and he played a ball today and actually he played an anthony once too uh on a cross field pass so he, he's starting to show a little bit more ability on the ball too where I, I feel like when he started he's very safe very much you know just didn't want to make a mistake so it's nice to see him starting to show more also. And he took a shot at the end of the end of the match. I don't know if you caught it. There was a nice little moment he took a shot. And uh I think Martial was joking with him like, you know, you could have played me in. Uh but, you know, it's fine. It was good. It was like the last minute of the match anyway. But it was it, it's it's good to see him starting to kind of have the confidence to express himself too. Yeah, and if you remember earlier in the season when we were struggling right at the start of the season, Malassia did get a run when Shaw yeah. was kind of dropped. But then, yeah, Shaw's come in, been brilliant. Malassia's had his kind of bit part roles. But whenever he's come in, he's done a decent enough job. Can, you know, can't really expect that much more for the amount of money he played for him. And yeah, kind of improving. But this is that's the main thing, that these players can come in, do a job, keep going. Uh, you know, Juan Bissaka. Well, I was just going to say, Juan yeah. Bissaka had been missing for a couple of games with illness. Dallo hasn't quite got back to his kind of pre-World Cup form yet although he was a bit better against Brentford at least. But yeah, Juan Bissaka has had another good game today, apart from managing to miss an open net in the first <laughs> half. I mean, yeah, that ball you wanted to fall to anyone apart from Aaron Juan Bissaka. I mean, I will say that it kind of looked absolutely awful, but he was maybe a little bit lucky because it comes at him fast. There's probably a load of spin on it and he was just putting his foot on it. You know, the first though, it looks like he's missed a total, total open net sitter. Um, but no, look, generally he has been very good. That's on the ball as well, not just defensively. You know, we always used to say, look, he's good defensively, but he can't contribute on the ball. And he's starting to link up, went back well with Anthony. And yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm pleased to see him back in. And at the moment, for me, he is getting the nod ahead of Dallow based on form. I mean, yeah, earlier in the season, you wouldn't have even imagined saying that Aaron Rambisaka is getting into this team, not least because... Diego Dallo was having a brilliant start to the season. It was only after the World Cup and getting injured that he's not 
really come back into it. Um, but yeah, as I say, these injuries have happened and we've still kept going, still kept pulling out results. You know, it really is a massive testament to the work Ten Hag has kept doing. I mean, if we kind of close off that Everton game and have another just quick look back at that Brentford, I mean, that was actually the much bigger win for me. Uh, coming off the back of losing to Newcastle, Brentford had been in great form. You know, they hadn't lost for something like 16 matches. Whereas, you know, Everton are down there battling. You've kind of expect that we should win that game. Uh, but that Brentford one is the one that actually felt a lot more satisfying. Uh, and I thought we had a really good first half, absolutely dominated it. And I hadn't seen a team dominate Brentford like we did in that first half for a long time. And again, like you say, it was a shame we only got one goal, but we didn't create that many chances. So the XG for that game shows that one goal was kind of fair, but it's more about just how we played, how we passed, how we didn't give them any time. You know, I think early on our kind of possession stats were very high on, like 70-odd percent or something like that. Brentford did come back into it a lot more kind of in the second half. Uh, but overall in that game, we were like 65% of the ball. And, you know, Brentford are normally a lot better than that. So, yeah, that one was the one that really actually felt like the satisfying win and that we were kind of more back on track in that game. <clears throat> Rashford on the was on the score sheet. It was an assist for Sabitzer. And like I said, talked about as well, that Martial got some minutes in there and did well. But, yeah, that has given us that springboard to get the season back going again after a bit of a kind of lull. Uh, and, yeah, we will see Casemiro coming back in the team now. And I don't know, assuming that Ericsson is not going to be straight away fit, who do you think gets a nod to go forward with Casemiro? I don't want to just put Ericsson back in. Like, I don't, I think you need to build his fitness up. Yeah, I, he's I, not going to start straight away. He will slowly yeah. come back into it. I, I still personally prefer, I think Fred and Casemiro have a partnership. Like, they, I mean, they obviously play together with Brazil. I've never liked, I feel like every time McTominay has played with Casemiro, it has not been good. Um, I have not liked when Casemiro plays. I mean, we haven't seen much of Casemiro and Sabitzer, so I wonder if maybe that it's possible. Maybe Ten Hag feels they don't necessarily have the best skill sets to play with each other. I, I think that's... it was actually a bit more kind of circumstance that you know Casemiro had those red cards and was missing right. for certain games. Sabitzer was just kind of working his way into the team. I'm not sure that he's purposely avoided that partnership. I think it's just kind of so happened that the times that he could have done it, one of them wasn't available. And I think there was even a time where Sabitzer had a bit of a knock and missed a couple of games. So, yeah, they've never played together. So, yeah, that option we still have to see. Uh, and, yeah, Casemiro McTominay, have we had them playing much together? Like, definitely not much, if like at all. I can't remember when they've started a game together. Muck, Muck Casemiro. <clears throat> um, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure if that's happened. But yeah, I, I probably, I've been slightly surprised that Fred didn't start any of this runner games. I mean, especially after we were poor, I thought he was going to come back in. But I have a theory about this. I think, so if, we, if you go back all the way to the start of the season and you just look at the midfields he's picked, he always makes sure to have somebody that he feels, I think, is a real aggressive, or not aggressive, but somebody who's capable of winning challenges aerially. I, I, I think he actually has an appreciation for, and this is a thing that a lot of managers that come from other leagues struggle with. I do think he appreciates the physicality of the league and that you need to have a physical presence there. Casemiro is obviously, he's amazing. He's tremendous in the air. So that, that's always, you don't have to worry about that when he's there. But when Casemiro has been out, he's always started McTominay. Um, he's made sure to have him in the team, and I think he likes having that size there. And I don't necessarily know if I agree with this, just because I haven't seen enough of Sabitzer to, to feel strongly. Without Casemiro, he might feel that he needs a little bit more consistency on the ball. We know Fred can be very hit or miss. I wonder if he prefers Sabitzer next to McTominay because he knows that McTominay isn't going to do what Casemiro is capable of. Um, so that's what I kind of think is at play. But um, maybe, maybe maybe he's been waiting for Sabitzer to kind of bet in, and now he will play him with Casemiro. We'll see. Um, the nice thing is with Casemiro coming back and Eriksson back now, and everybody you know, and and Sabitzer here, Fred is obviously there, McTominay is there. 
we actually have options in midfield now. Like we actually have some depth there. We haven't. I feel like this entire year we've been kind of just getting through with two or three guys healthy. So to have you know really five central midfielders, whatever we want to think about their quality, that is actually nice to have finally. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Especially like you say, when the ones that kind of people like you had written off McTominay yeah. is at least showing some kind of form and saying, listen, yeah, maybe I do deserve to be playing here as well. Is actually great to see. And yeah, Sabitzer as well. You know, the jury had slightly been out on him, but I think he's definitely been finding his way into the team, working out the way we play and has been doing a lot better in the last couple of matches. Uh, yeah, he's, you know, a couple of shots off him. He got an assist the other day. So, yeah, he is showing some light. He, you know, him, like, I'm still thinking maybe he could be a long-term option for us, whereas, as I've already said quite clearly, I don't want Wettergost here uh, next season. But, yeah, Sabitzer, let's see, let's see. He's still, like I said, I'd say the jury's out, but he's definitely improving and showing a bit more week by week, I'd say. Uh, we will take another quick break there. We will come back for the last part of the show. Unfortunately, I have to talk about that Newcastle loss and then, yeah, look ahead to going back in the Europa League with Sevilla. Back for part three of the show. Uh, so, yeah, we were just rounding off that kind of Brentford win. As I said, it did feel great to get back to winning ways. And our former Old Trafford has been absolutely outstanding. I mean, yeah, unfortunately... Um, that Newcastle game, you know, our away form has been bad. It has been poor. And time and time again, we've lost over there. I mean, I don't know if you think if there's something particular about the away form or just Newcastle played well. I mean, yeah, our away form has just got so many bad results on it for some weird reason. Yeah, um, our away form has been been pretty diabolical, actually. Um especially in comparison to the home form i i don't really, i don't know what to make of it i i will i think some of it is you know you talk, you mentioned this earlier where you know ole would play mcfred right we'd go on these away matches and it was a lot of we're going to sit back we're going to try and hit you on the counter and that's kind of what we're going to do we're not trying to dictate the match to you i don't think ten hag i don't i don't want i i don't think he's naive but I also don't think he's willing to compromise on his principles, which I'm fine with because I think it's important to set those standards. The problem is, like, it's easier to play courageous at home, right? It's easier to be brave on the ball when you're at home. It's easier to, to believe in your plan and press high and all those things when you have the whole Trafford crowd behind you. I think it's harder to do that on the road. And I feel like that's why we've seen these big defensive capitulations from us when we've gone away from home at times. <clears throat> and these matches, like, I mean, the Newcastle match, that could have easily been a, what, 4 or 5 nil to be honest. Um, where it's just like, you, you feel like there's no, guys are, they're, they're, they're not doing the same. Like, he mentioned this after the City match, right? Where he said, we, not everybody was together. There were players that were pressing. There were players that weren't pressing. They weren't all bought in. You have to really believe in the plan and execute the plan. You can't shirk your duties and 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 you know be safe. Like you have to stick with the plan. So I wonder if when we're away from home, there's just a little bit of doubt that creeps in, um, a little bit of fear, to be honest. Um, and I wonder if that's part of it. But like, look, it, this is the time of the season where it doesn't matter. You have to get over it. And fortunately, I, I think the only really you know I guess you would say big away side we have left is is Spurs, but we also have Brighton away, which is not going to be easy. Um, they were very unfortunate today. That match was, I don't know if you saw the highlights of that, but just ridiculous, the the the, the calls that went against them today. Um, but that won't be an easy match. So those two are difficult, and, you know, again, our away form hasn't been good. We have been pretty okay away, though, in Europe, which is surprising. Um, so I don't know why that necessarily is, but in the Premier League, our away form has not been great, so we need to figure that out. And if nothing else, we just need to be able to keep clean sheets away from home because our defensive record away from home has been very poor. I think we've given up eight goals at home this season, so that means we've given up twenty nine uh, away from home. That's just not good enough. And I know that you know you've got the City match and the Liverpool match that that counts for thirteen right there, 
Uh, and then Arsenal is and another... that Brentford game. Yeah. We lost four 0 early in the yeah, season. And, and, yeah, and then Arsenal is three. So that's what that's nineteen of the twenty-seven goals in four matches. But even then, like the the points speak for themselves, right? So even if we're not shipping goals, we're not getting the results that we really want and need. Um, we're not able, and this is again where we talked about like if you don't score goals, you're always your margin for error is so thin, and away from home you have less margin for error than you do elsewhere. So um, hopefully we can figure it out and and. You know, even these other sides that we have to go away from home and away from home and play. You know, some of these team, teams are battling relegation. These aren't going to be easy matches. They're not just going to roll over for us and and lay down with how the table is stacked up. So this is like, I mean, I'm not going to act like this is the toughest uh, <laughs> close to the season that we could possibly ask for. But you know, it's not a cakewalk either, and we shouldn't feel that way. And I'm sure that Ten Hag will make sure that the players don't feel that way. No, and we've actually got more away matches to come than home matches. Uh, and yeah, that away form is a worry. I don't know why it's that bad. Can't particularly put a particular point on why. But yeah, it, it is the main reason why we're not in a title race. You know, a couple of times people have thought maybe we were close to saying we were in the title race and maybe there was one point where I thought we could say that. But yeah, we're not in it, that's for sure. Uh, and it is that away form that has been the reason behind that. Um, our next game is at home. But yeah, the Newcastle away was bad, bad. And XG showed it was bad. And, you know, we'd just beaten them relatively easily in the cup. So, yeah, they've turned it around and are definitely, I mean, they are going neck and neck with us for that top four fight. I mean, talking about top four before we get onto the Europa League, I think the one reason I'm not super worried about it is just because the likes of Tottenham, the likes of Liverpool, I mean, we don't even need to mention Chelsea. Uh, and not doing well at all. I mean, obviously, Tottenham have fired Conte since last time we've recorded. Uh, and yeah, I've just got the kind of caretaker guy in charge over there. Uh, Brighton are the only other one who you kind of say, look, are still surprising, are still going. But yeah, they have dropped points today. And you kind of say you don't think Brighton are going to have enough to be breaking into that top four. Uh, so even though maybe we've not been amazing I wasn't so worried about it, even when we did drop points to Southampton, when we did drop points to Newcastle. I wasn't that worried just because I couldn't see who else was really going to come and bother us for that top four race, really. Uh, and now, anyway, getting these two back-to-back wins, six points, we feel pretty comfortable over there, right? I would say so. Um, it's like, every time I feel like we're comfortable we have these results we have like two results in a row where you're like well i guess we're back in the shit um but we look we have a match in hand against or a match in hand over spurs mm. and we have the head-to-head against them so if you can win your match in hand you have a chance to really put them away right um if you if you can get a result in uh what the hell is their stadium now i don't even remember what it's called uh, just but, yeah, the Tottenham, Tottenham <laughs> Stadium. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's if we can get a result there, that would be that would be massive for us. And I, I honestly, I know they. Wa- I mean, they look. Every time I've watched them this year, they just look pretty shambolic. Uh, and it's just a lot of Kane individual brilliance covering up so much for them. They leak goals constantly. Uh, we we should be finishing ahead of Spurs for sure, and. You know, the other tricky match we have left, we didn't even talk mention this. We play Villa at home. They have the best. Yeah, they are on crazy yeah. form, actually. They, yeah. they have the second most points in the league since uh, Emery got there after Arsenal. So they're no joke either. This is, again, like, I don't, again, I don't want to act like we're playing the toughest run in ever, but it is not. You're right. It's not easy at all. And we're, I, I don't think we're safe for top four. I think that there's a lot to still play for. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely, like I say, each time people think we're safe and secure over there, something does happen to make us kind of feel, yeah, we have to keep fighting for it. But these two back-to-back wins here, especially that Brentford one that looked like a tricky one on paper, is like making us feel a lot, lot safer. Uh, but yeah, you mentioning Emery there is a nice little segue into talking about our European game, just coming up against Sevilla. I mean, yeah, he's a manager who made his name at Sevilla obviously won this competition several times. Sevilla were this the kind of specialists of the Europa League, won it more than anybody else. But they're having an absolute dire season. 
Uh, they're actually on like manager number three now. I mean, uh, Julian Lopetegui, who's now turned up at Wolves, was their manager at the start of the season. They then had uh, Jorge Sampaoli, who was just sacked a few weeks ago since the draw to us. And now they're finishing the season with somebody who I never knew that much about. But yeah, Jose Mendilibar, who was at uh, Alaves and Ibar, is their manager at the moment, will be their manager facing us. But they have actually had a slight upturn in form since he's come in. Uh, I mean, they're still pretty low down in La Liga. I think they're like 12, 13, something like that. But uh, they have won and drawn their last couple of games. So yeah, before that, you know, they were losing a lot. Um, but yeah, they their season is kind of a write-off. So sometimes that's the kind of dangerous time to play a team. They've got nothing to play for in the league, so we're going to be all in on these Europa games against us. Uh, but it's kind of good that we've got the first leg at home. We'll see what happens there. I mean, it, it, I, I mentioned this on a podcast before, that it's kind of weird that we're playing the team who are now like sat 12th, kind of 13th in La Liga. And when we've already beat the team who were sixth in the Liga and already beat the team who were first and probably going to win La Liga. Right. Uh, you know, each kind of round, we come up against a Spanish team who was supposedly worse than the one we beat in the round before. Uh, but yeah, that's where we're at. It's pretty mad how many Spanish teams we've played in the last few years, right? Uh, no. We played Barca. We played Atletico <laughs> last year in the Champions League. We played we played Villarreal last year in the Champions League too, right? Um then we played Sociedad this year, we played Betis. Now we're playing Sevilla. So yeah, we've played a lot of lot of Spanish teams the last few years. And yeah, we in the past we always had really awful records. So yeah. for us to already have knocked out Barcelona, knocked out Real Betis who are running pretty strong this season, is actually brilliant. Uh, for us to be going over there does make all the difference. And you'd expect we should be going through in this one. I mean, I've questioned how much we need to really be fighting for this. Uh, you know, the two-legged matches, all the travel, do we really need it? But it is it is kind of like the second best trophy we can win because, you know, obviously we weren't in the Champions League and we're not really going for the Premier League realistically. So, yeah, that Europa League would be a brilliant one to win. And yeah, we haven't done it since the one time we did it under Jose. You know you know who we're destined to play in the final, right? Who? Roma. Mourinho's <laughs> Roma. <laughs> Are you going to go to the final if we, uh, if we make it? Let's see. It's in Budapest. Uh, I didn't go to that Stockholm final. So yeah, maybe I would love to make that trip over there. Although, to be honest, because I've not done many European, Europa aways in recent years, uh, since my daughter was born, I've not done any. I mean, I used to normally always try and do one or two a season in the past, but I haven't done any. So I don't have that many European credits anymore. Uh, so, yeah, it all depends how many people are up for that trip. So I wouldn't necessarily be getting a ticket for it. Uh, you know, there's a lot of guys who've done a lot more of these matches who deserve it there. Um, but, yeah. We shouldn't take them totally for granted. Severe, they've still got some decent players. Uh, there's the likes of kind of always go and look at the kind of squad list. They've got Eric Lamella over there. Their top scorer is Yusuf N. Nesri, who's the kind of striker for Morocco at the World Cup. Um, not got that many, though. That has been their main problem. I mean, their top striker of the season only got seven goals. And so, yeah, they really struggle to score goals. They're a bit better kind of defensively. But yeah, as I say, generally, they've had a poor, poor season. And, you know, they're still rolling out people like Rakitic in midfield. The Croatian is like 35 years old, still playing for them. There's quite a few kind of names that you recognise in the lineup, but some of them, a lot of them are kind of past their best and see better days. So you would think that, yeah, over two legs, we should take this. and Maybe even we should kind of kill it in leg number one so that we can rotate and rest a few players in the second leg. Um, it would be great. I mean, that would be great. It requires us to score goals. Um, our our one nemesis, scoring goals. Uh, but if we can do that, I mean, yeah, that's what we had that advantage against Betis, right? We won four one the first leg, and he didn't rest a lot. But as soon as we scored one goal in the second leg, he just you know he took out Rashford, took out Bruno. He would have taken out Casemiro, but Casemiro had a suspension, so he said, you know, <laughs> no, you can just stay on the pitch. Um, but yeah, so that would be great if we can do that. And then, you know, after that, I mean, who do we play next? Who do we play in the league next? Nottingham Forest. So yeah, we've got Forest away, who are obviously fighting for their lives. Uh, so that's the game that's in between the two legs of Sevilla. 
And then after that, it's the FA Cup semi-final against Brighton. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, we actually, our next four games are actually three cup matches with just that one Premier League game against Forest in the middle of it all. Uh, so, yeah, this next run will decide where we're at going in these cups. Uh, yeah, a date at Wembley with Brighton will be the next one on there. So, yeah, it's it's good that we're feeling a bit more comfortable, like I say, with these two wins in the league, that we can maybe put a bit of focus onto these cups. Uh, you know, even though I've put a downer on it all season, saying, look, too many matches... We cannot go all the fighting on four fronts. If we're feeling a bit more comfortable about top four, they say, look, let's go for it. Like, you know, to come out of this season with top four, I mean, already, if we came out with top four and one trophy, it was like ahead of my expectations. If we came out with two trophies, uh, top four would be brilliant. Three trophies is just like dream world. I mean, we can't start talking about pretend trebles like the Scousers used to and things like that, you know, but still from the place we've been at, not having won anything for so many years, it'd be so amazing to have another finals to go to for our fans over there. Uh, so yeah, as I say, this next run again is all about the Cups, still that Forest game where we need to get some kind of result in the middle of it. Uh, but yeah, let's see. I mean, I, I had asked this question on past ones and I don't know if you have different because yeah, often some of our, you know, British podcasters, that FA Cup has a bit of history, so they kind of feel a bit of affinity to it. And I know maybe you don't have that same kind of affinity. I mean, out of the Europa League and the FA Cup, if you had to kind of focus on one and say, I want that one, which one are you going for? Europa? Uh, just because there's a... I mean, there's a much bigger reward, right, at the end of it. Like, it's it's a second avenue to, to get Champions League football, which I think is really our biggest goal this year, which is sad. Uh, but that is what it is. That's the state of the club. At the moment. But yeah, I mean, I just always think like, I, I think Ten Hag has done a good job of like, I, he, he doesn't rotate a ton, but I feel like he rotates enough and he's shown enough trust in his squad at various points in the cups where it's like, you know, he's not, he's going to, he wants to win all of them. He's made that very clear. I think it's important actually to set that standard down. Um, I don't really like these like you know arsenal I, i've seen their fans like kind of celebrate being knocked out of the cups and i agree like i wouldn't care if we had gotten knocked out of the fa cup earlier but i don't know if that's something to celebrate and i think it is some it is it does say something that we're still in these cups i think it would mean a lot to go the distance in the cups and get top four in the league um that would be a really really successful season it would show a lot of growth from not just you know the manager from you know the improvement that we have at the manager level but also it would show a lot from the players who, let's be honest, after last year, it was fair to question their mentality and their desire and all those things, given what we saw, right? And um, to bounce back, and if they could deliver a season like that, that'd be great. But yeah, if you asked me to pick between the two, I would say Europa, but we haven't won the FA Cup in a while, so, you know, why not? Yeah, and I think mostly everybody did go for Europa, and it does just show how pe- how what people feel about the Europa League has changed so much. And I remember when we used to laugh at it, you know, Thursday night, Channel 5 used to be our thing in England. You know, Channel 5 is a channel you won't know that doesn't show sport. And they were the channel who used to show Europa League matches live back in the day. Uh, but now, yeah, people take it a lot more seriously. Well, I, uh, I remember one year we dropped out of, uh, I think it was, Ferg- it's not, it's Ferguson's second to last year. Uh, we lost, we dropped out of the Champions League in the group stages. And then we played in Europa, and you could tell that like nobody in our squad cared at all. Like their effort was so bad. But now you see it like Europa's, t- it's taken seriously by all the big clubs that are in it, right? I mean, Arsenal they went out, but like they played a full strength side. They were trying to get through that tie. They wanted to get through that tie. Um, and so these these competitions are no joke. So to win Europa at this point is it it look obviously it's not the Champions League, but it's not just some bullshit competition it 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 means something it, it, and it and it means something beyond just you know oh we got champions league like it's a it's a legitimate trophy to win yeah definitely so yeah i think that rounds us up for this show uh, we'll probably come back not we won't come back after that severe game probably after forest or the second leg of severe uh, we've kind of been finding schedules a bit more difficult lately so that's why we've had the kind of three matches to talk about on this one but it's sometimes kind of cool just to look back at kind of few matches together and see how they've all gone rather than just reporting on one game and all. But uh, yeah, look, 
as I say, if we'd recorded a week ago, it would have been a very depressing show having lost in Newcastle. But yeah, it feels a lot more different after back-to-back wins now. We will come back, like I say, after Forest or after the two severe legs, see where we're at and yeah, prepare for going to Wembley against Brighton. Uh, but yeah, that is all up for us for this week. We will see you on the next one. Good night from me. Good night from me. Thank you for listening to United Hour. Remember to follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at United underscore hour. Please take the time to leave a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. United Hour is brought to you by the Sports Social Network and our theme song is by Ancient Feelings. To get in touch, please email unitedhour at gmail.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.